I'm not governed by the fear of what other people say. You've got to open your heart. Well, number one, he's one of the elite offensive players in the game. What is leadership like in today's football world? Well, it's been a long hiatus, Mike Sielski, but we are back. We are. Not another Philly sports talk show. Your uh, used to be weekly podcast. <laughs> it has turned into a semi-annual. Everybody's got to take vacation. Yeah, I mean, there's just not a lot going on in Philadelphia sports uh, in the summertime. There um, used to be in 2010, 2011. There, there was, was going but on. But we, we did. I think our last podcast was about whether what to expect out of Reese Hoskins. Yeah, I don't think we expected this. Uh, yeah, I don't think we did <laughs> either. Um, but we're going to talk about the Eagles today because it's football time. And I'm very Hallelujah. excited about that. Hallelujah. It always feels to me like um, the beginning of September always feels like the real uh, New Year um, because I still get that feeling of going back to school. We're yeah. recording this on Tuesday afternoon, and I actually put my older son on the bus for first grade wow. today. And, uh, and I that like that feeling. Is that a little emotional feeling. for you? No. No, it was fine. You're kindergarten not a very last emotional year, guy. Kindergarten last year was emotional. First grade, not so much. Mm-hmm. Um but I still get that feeling of like, oh, it starts to get a little bit cooler going back to school and football begins. It's like the start of the real start of the new year as opposed to January 1st. Do you still uh, duct tape your, the elastic on your underwear so it, it does not rip when the cool kids give you wedgies? You know, I have a bit of a George Costanza streak in me, but I can honestly say that I have never gotten an atomic wedgie. Wow. Never. Well, that's that's. Uh I guess Never. that puts you ahead of a lot of the population. Yeah, put me right? ahead of George Costanza. Um, I feel like a more polished podcast host would be able to make a segue between Atomic Wedgie and... The Eagle season? The Eagle season. <laughs> um, instead, let's just start talking about the Eagles. That's a good idea. Uh, Wedgies can be a sensitive topic. What do you think about this team? Uh, let's start with that. Because I, I think the best way to do this is to go game by game and, ha- and have you kind of... I mean, we have two months to kind of distill here, mm-hmm. training camp, preseason, whatever. Yeah. Um, but it all starts with the schedule. Yes. And I feel like, I don't know how you feel about this because you are more of an analytical kind of thinker than I am. Um, and I keep coming back to when I go game by game through this Eagles schedule, so much of what I think about a particular game seems to come down to kind of gut instinct and kind of my lack of solid knowledge or solid feeling one way or another about how good this team is really going to be. Mm -hmm. Um, I think a little bit of that is the nature of the NFL. There are always teams that are rising and falling. Um, It sounded like uh, uh, Hawthorne there. Um, Families are always rising and falling in America. Or Bill O'Reilly. Tide goes in, tide goes out. There you go. Thank you. Uh, Don't compare. I'd rather be compared to the guy who gets the atomic wedgie than to Bill O'Reilly. But um, what's he doing these days? I think podcasting somewhere, kind of like us. Mm. Um, mm. <laughs> probably not for free. No, probably not. Um, so that's a long way of saying, I, I think they're an 8-8, eight 9-7 and, eight and, and seven team. Um, and, I, and I don't know, I don't know that there's a way to really logically look at them and know what they're going to be and be able to say, oh, they will, you know, they are this kind of team. Like, I don't think they're terrible. Um I don't know that they're going to be great. Um, I just kind of feel like they're going to be somewhere in the middle, and invariably what ends up happening is they win a game or two that we don't think they're going to win, and they lose a game or two that we don't think they're going to lose, and you know they go another season without winning a playoff game. <laughs> so um, I find that mediocrity is kind of what I aim for. So I think yeah, I, I think, think that'll I work. think they're I like their I like their approach if that's what it is. So I, all right, l- let's begin here. I think the the opener this Sunday against the Redskins, is a very, very big game. I think it's an arbiter kind of game. I really do. I think that if they can go down there and win that game, and I don't expect them to, right? but that would change the tenor of the season. It, it, would, it would harken back, I think, to, for, for older Eagles fans, people who remember this, that season opener in Dallas in 2000, the pickle juice game, where... Wait, that's older Eagles fans? People, that, I thought that you were going to say like the 72. That game was 17 years ago, Murph. I know. That's crazy. But <laughs> I remember that crazy. game. I was, at, I, that, I, I was I, at that game. I was not at that game, but I remember that game well. And that was the sign that really the first indication that things were different under Andy Reid. They'd gone 5-11 and 11 the year before. You weren't so sure quite yet about McNabb. And then they come out and they totally destroy the Cowboys. 
and you're thinking, okay, they may not may or may not be a playoff team, but they're better than they were. So that was young Dave Murphy's first yeah. uh, semester at, in college. Was it really? Uh, wow. He had, he had been dropped off with his mini fridge and his <laughs> his uh, his uh, rug, 2001 compact laptop, and my rug, my air rug. And the first thing I wanted to do when I got into campus was find a bookie because I loved the Eagles. They were like <laughs> plus five and a half at the Cowboys, and like I just thought this team, I thought the team was ready to do exactly what they did. I mm-hmm. mean, I didn't think that you know Deuce Daly was going to rush for 300 yards, right? But I uh, and, and that's actually how I met one of my good friends today. Uh, Darren, okay, who just had a daughter, actually. Oh, shout out to Darren and his daughter. Karma. Um, he already has a son. Okay. Um, yeah, and he was a Giants fan, and he was actually looking for a bookie as well to place <laughs> a bet on the Giants. And so we kind of bonded over... Uh, over. And uh, then he got to just, you know... Uh, and then we lost a lot of money. And yeah. uh, by the end of the semester, we were having to decide whether we wanted two double cheeseburgers <laughs> or a 40 of malt liquor. <laughs> Always go for the double cheeseburgers. Um, yeah, just kidding. I didn't drink until I was 21. Of course um, not. But yeah, so anyway, I do remember that. Yeah, so that getting back to what we're exactly saying. Yeah, no, getting back to started, what we're saying about the opener. If if they go down there and win and win convincingly, I think it, in for lack of a better way of putting it, sets a tone for the rest of the season. It says, hey, we really are you know, better than we were a year ago. The problem is, is that FedEx Field has been a bad place for the Eagles lately. Um, they don't play well there traditionally. And, you know, even the game, the, the most recent game that they won there in 2013, the season opener, they got out to that crazy start under Chip Kelly mm-hmm. and then were hanging on for dear life in the second half. If that game is five more minutes, they probably lose. Um, so I would be surprised if they won, but I do think if they win, it's a big deal, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I don't think that, I think that what you were what you were saying is kind of a good way to look at this season. Um, if you if you if you were to go through, let's see if I can put this in the words. Um, if you go through game by game, there, there's a certain natural ebb and flow that you would expect with this team. So right. you would expect them to like you look at you look at oh season opener at the Redskins, that's a loss. Right. You look at oh then on the road at Arrowhead, that's that's a loss. A loss. Right. And then you get to Week three with the Giants, we're like, that's like your first like swing game. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Yep. We're like, they need like they should win that game. Right. If they lose that game, all of a sudden like you're starting to reevaluate exactly. what you think of this team. Exactly. Um, and I think when you go through this, I, I think the when you go through this schedule, there's a lot of games. It, it's pretty easy to like say what they should do. Right. What you know given the baseline of this team. So, like, they should beat the Chargers at San Diego. They should beat the Cardinals coming east. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think at the Panthers on a Thursday night's a tough game. Right. Uh, but then home- there, there are always those games where right. you see them on the schedule and for reasons of history, circumstance, as you said, ebb and, plo- ebb and flow of the season, you can say that's probably a win. That's probably right. a loss. So, like, my, like, like, what I expect, you know, what I roughly expect out of this team um, is – Loss against the Redskins, loss against the Chiefs, win against the Giants. Uh, one and two, you know, mm-hmm. maybe they steal one of those first two games, regardless, right. one and two. Then they win against the char- win at the Chargers, uh, two and two, mm-hmm. win against the Cardinals, three and two. Okay. Say loss to the Panthers, three and three, although I think the Panthers are going to be down this year. Mm-hmm. Um, win against the Redskins, four and three, win against the Niners, five and three, win against the Broncos, six and three. Okay. So you're talking about an 0 and 2 start and then all of a sudden being six and three, right? Conceivably, yes. Uh, I, uh, yeah. Six and three. Right. So, and and again, getting back to your point, I think a lot of that comes down to, you know, talking about the factors that you look mm-hmm. at. Like, look at a lot of those teams' quarterback situations. Like, look at the San Francisco 49ers. Exactly. Look at the Denver Broncos. They have poor quarterback situations. Right. You would think the Eagles would have and an they edge have, there, and that may make the difference in the game. And like some of their some of their tougher, supposedly tougher matchups are West Coast teams coming here. Yeah, right. I mean, they get the charge in the Rams. There, they should still be. Fa- I mean, to me, they right. should still they be, should favored, still in be favored in those games. Um, so anyway, so like right now, when you look at like what should this team do, like mm-hmm. what 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 will what should they do to avoid disappointment? Right now, you're talking about six and three going to the bye. Yeah. Um, and I think this is where you know to to touch on what I wrote today, uh, Tuesday, in the Inquirer and the Daily News that I think that, you know Doug Peterson. I didn't really get into it, but I think Doug Peterson it, it, the schedule does not set up well for him. No. Um, 
it sets up well for him to take the fall again, even yes. if his team is what it should be. If this team plays to its talent, it should be six and three going to the bye, just like it was three and zero last year mm-hmm. after three games, and everybody was, you know, it's not that they were a three and zero team; they just happened to get the schedule happened to fall the right way. Right. Um, so anyway, then all of a sudden coming out of the bye, you have at Cowboys loss, home against the Bears win mm-hmm. seven and four. Then you have at Seahawks loss, loss seven and five at the Rams. I think that's a tough game. Um, yeah, because but it's like that's like one of those like. Well, that's one of those things where you t- again take circumstances into consideration. If they lose to Seattle, they're staying out right. on the West Coast. Yeah, they yeah, haven't yeah. done that in a right. long time. It's unfamiliar. You know, they're going to be practicing the whole time out there. It's definitely a game that even good teams can lose. Right, with the Giants coming. But anyway, so let's let's say they even if they win that game, say mm-hmm. what what do we got then? We got eight eight and five if they eight win. and five. Then all of a sudden you're eight and five with at Giants home against the Raiders home against the Cowboys. So three division, three two uh, division games and a. No, I'm saying two, uh, three playoff teams is what right, I was trying okay, to say. Yes, uh, three teams that combined to win thirty six, some yeah. odd games last year. Right. Uh, you know, and so like all of a sudden you're like, the narrative could very easily again be Eagles. You know, Doug Peterson allows this team to collapse mm-hmm. after a six and three start. They were everyone's everyone's high on life going to the bye week. But re- really, if you look at it, then I mean, those last eight games are just brutal. Yes. I mean, you've got. Coming out of the bye, you've got four or five on the road at Cowboys, at Seahawks, at Rams, at Giants. And then the only gimme really is is the Bears. Right. You know, That's whereas right. I think in the first half of the schedule, that Niners game is a gimme that, uh, you know, they put it this way. They should be favored in Broncos, Niners, Redskins. Right. Cardinals. And, and the other factor we have Chargers. and the other factor we haven't mentioned, which I do think you have to take into some consideration, is that this is a team that made some significant and substantial changes in the offseason. So it's not unreasonable to think it may take them right. a week, two weeks to kind of, you know, get it together, however they might, however you define that. And then by the time they do, maybe they're hitting the tough part of their schedule. But anyway, so, so that, so, so essentially to me, eight and five mm-hmm. heading into week 15, three games left. That's that's like where they should be. Right. Like if they're if they're worse than that, they're in trouble. Then, then Doug Peterson, you know, either either Carson Wentz has not played well. Uh, I suppose there's a scenario in which Doug's great, Carson's great, and the defense lost 45 points a game. But mm-hmm. I, I think the more likely scenario is that, you know, Doug, you know, Doug loses. They can't lose a winnable game. Right. Um, like they can't lose home against the Niners. You right. know, they can't lose. They got to win one of the, like you said, they got to win one of the two games against the Redskins. Now, to go to circle all the way back to the point that you started with, I don't think that this is a crucible game from the standpoint that if they lose, it, tells you, it yeah. tells you much anything different about this okay. team than we already know. Whereas if they win, all of a sudden, that's like they got a little more house money in their mm-hmm. pocket. That's like, fair. I, that's I think fair. if they, I think... If they win week one, uh, unlike last year where, put it this way, it, if they went 2-0 last year, there was no reason to like think anything differently about this team right. because Correct. the Browns and the Bears were, were so two bad. of the worst yeah. teams in the league. Whereas right now, if they somehow go 2-1 and one through three games, then you're talking about, uh, yeah. you know? Yeah, that's true. And I, I think what's interesting about all this is the expectation game that I might write that played. tomorrow. Actually, there you go. <laughs> um, this is why we like doing these podcasts. Like this the, co- the columns are harder to come by when we don't do this and like the, hash out these ideas. This is why I uh, I usually have to do all of this in my head, and sometimes I start talking to myself, and the people at the coffee shop start looking at me really weirdly. <laughs> um, um, but the one thing I the, getting back to what I wanted to say is how expectations change once as the record changes. Like I remember last year at three and zero. After they wallop the Steelers at home, the expectations changed for a lot of people. A lot now. Th- th- yeah. Let me put it this way: the question then becomes. I just don't think that was grounded in reality. Okay. Where I think now, it, the expectation that will be grounded in reality. Okay. If, if they somehow beat the Redskins or the Chiefs, if they, if they beat either the Redskins or the Chiefs in, in one of these first two games, mm-hmm. like I think that you know that like the, all of a sudden then you can then you can start saying like oh maybe this team actually can compete for something this right. year um right. so i think in that sense it's an exciting first few weeks of the season yeah because yeah. those two games are those are games that like even if the eagle even if this was like coming off chip kelly's first year where they made the playoffs like those are two games where they're going to be underdogs in probably mm-hmm. you know yeah it's true and and especially I, at kansas city yeah and i think the other element of that is that we're still figuring out and finding out 
who Doug Peterson is as a coach mm-hmm. and what he's going to do. I mean, you know. Well, Mike Lombardi knows who Yeah, is. Mike Lombardi definitely knows. But there is that debate about, you know, how much of what happened last season was Doug being Doug and how much of it was his hands being tied by the lack but what, of talent. But, 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 all right, so I'm going to – I'm going to. you probably didn't mean this the way – mm-hmm. but I'm going to challenge you based on okay. the way I inferred it. What do you mean what happened last year? I mean going seven like, and To nine. me, they like, far and away exceeded expectations, in my opinion. And um, I think maybe I, maybe that's where my defense – because I'm, I'm one of the few people – like I know Bob Ford is, is a, a Doug yeah. Peterson skeptic. I think, frankly, I, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of people in the building are Doug Peterson skeptics. I think a lot of people are. Um, I think they are, yeah. Um, like, and, and I thought a lot about this because like, I, w- I wish we'll never know um, – We'll never know exactly what happened in the hire in the hiring process. Right. Like, and I I think Doug's biggest weakness from a from a cap from a political capital standpoint or a professional capital standpoint is that he he just he comes across as kind of a gomer a little bit. Yeah, you know, like I think uh, that's absolutely. Yeah. I think you know it's interesting that like watch Adam Gase handled questions about the hurricane. Right, and like. He's very like he like very steely eyed, like square jawed, like we're gonna we're gonna play whatever. Whereas like it's whereas pop- Doug would be like you could you would be able to he, he Doug has this thing where like you can hear his breath when he like talks in the microphone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like everything he just sounds like like all- You know, it's funny, it's funny. I was actually thinking about this before he we went on the air. And I'm not you, you can't compare them with respect to sports and even at this point you can't compare them anywhere close with respect to results. But the comparison with Doug I would make is not with Andy Reid. It would be with Charlie Manuel. Yeah, exa- yeah, it's a good, great, great. You know, great in that there was a presumption when Charlie showed up that like he can't be that smart, right? Because look at how he handles these questions. He's stuttering. He's got the southern drawl. He, you know, you know it takes like, him a while to spit it like out. A, yeah, like a, you don't. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it turned out that he was the perfect manager for that team at that right. time. Now, obviously, baseball and football don't work the same way. There's a heck of a lot more strategy involved in, you know, play by play in football than there is in baseball. Um, I think when I say what what happened last season, what I mean is, um, you know, a team that here, – here's what I'm interested in. Here's what I'm interested in. I'm interested in seeing what Doug does with a fuller complement of pieces, particularly in offense. That's obviously what he runs. So what are we going to see that's different from him? Are we going to see much that's different from him? I would think we would mm-hmm. in terms of, you know – the kind of offense they run, you know, they, he was a very daring coach last year. Right. Is he going to be as daring? Will he be? Will he be more daring? Figuring, um, you know, hey, now I have talent, I'm more likely to to get it on fourth and two from my from the opponent's yeah. forty. Or is he going to say, well, I have this talent, I don't need to do that? Like w- there are a lot of things we don't know about him yeah, yet. But I just think that, and that's what, what everyone focuses on when it comes to Peterson. Uh, uh, you know, they see. They see a lot of the same flaws that got them tired of Andy Reid. Um, yeah, that's true. And my argument is, or at least the way I feel about it, at this standpoint, at this point in the juncture of where they're going, what they're doing, that stuff is such a small slice of mm. whether a team is competitive or not. Mm. That, like, to me, like, the first and foremost, the question is, does the Eagles offense look competent? Mm. Does, Car- does Carson Wentz look like... He's having an easy time of it. Um, is this offense working? Okay, you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, like how many times? How many times did they actually have a fourth down decision to make last year? Like five. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we're talking about a, a season of 700 yeah, plays. But you know? in but within a within the course of a season, I think you can make a, an argument that those kind of moments. That moments do matter, and those those kind of things stack up. And, and but the whole thing with Andy Reid is like, if, if the worst case scenario with Doug Peterson is that you end up with a really good team that that you know doesn't go thirteen, that goes eleven and five instead of thirteen and three, or loses in the NFC Championship game instead of winning, mm-hmm. like you would take that over sure. a guy who who calls timeouts at the right time, you know, always gets it on fourth and down, wins his challenges, and they stink. I would I would take that too. I think just about anybody would. Um, but we don't know yet that Doug is on that level, and I think that's why the finding out is the interesting no, part. No, but I think the fact that they won, if this roster was so bad, you know, if they had a, they had a first-year quarterback out of North Dakota State, they had 
you know, wide receivers that aren't even in the NFL anymore. They had, you know, they had their right tackle, their fixture right tackle missed 10 games. Mm -hmm. Like, was Carson Wentz that good that they somehow managed to win seven games? Or, like, how did they, you know, I, I just feel like there's, like, Doug Peterson's like, number one job last year was to get Carson Wentz started. Right. You know? Right. And I think that, like, like, I think the offense, by and large, you know, looked better than a guy who you would, like, you know, it looked better than the Jim Thomas Will Niners offense. It looked better than the Gus Bradley, you know, Jaguars offense. Yeah, it looked better it, than, you know, like, I think that's, like, there's something, I'm not saying the guy is, uh, you know, Bill Walsh. I'm just saying, if you go back and read everyone's predictions at the start of last season, it was like, man, you know, this could be really embarrassing for Doug Peterson. Is he going to make it through I the see, year? I, I think you're overstating how, how dire the predictions were a little bit. Um, I also think that it's entirely possible, um, you know, the the defense you had an, you had a very accomplished defensive coordinator who didn't have any cornerbacks. I mean, I, you, most they, people didn't pick him to win against the Bears in week two. You think? Yeah, I don't know. I'd have to I go remember. back and check that. Um, but my point is, it, it's it's possible that you know a good a, a team can exceed expectations without the coach being the primary reason for it. Like. Is you know you ask is Carson Wentz just that good? I mean, Carson Wentz was pretty darn good through the first three games of that season. Yes, two of them against bad teams. Um, you know, I really don't he think was, the Whoa. he was very good at times last season. Now, how much of that is Doug, and how much of it is Carson, um, or even John DeFilippo or I mean, Frank Reich? You know, I don't know. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to be critical of Doug. I'm just saying that. I'm not sure how much last season told us about who he is and is going to be as a head coach. I just think he told us he wasn't. It wasn't. He wasn't Jim Thomasula. You know, I just think it just told me it wasn't a disaster. You know, um, which I think was within the realm of possibility. Right, and, and, I, an and, I'm, and I'm framing it that way because the whole Mike Lombardi. Mm -hmm. You know, like that. That was like as if this guy was. Let, a me, goober. let me give you. Uh, an old, I think he's already shown he's not a good. Okay, let me, let me give you an old example that may or may not hold up today. In 1991, the Eagles lost their starting quarterback the first game of the season, mm. the, the returning NFL MVP. They had an all-time great defense. Um, they had guys like Jeff Kemp and Brad Gable and Pat Ryan play quarterback for them. Mm. And they went 10-6 and six and very nearly made the playoffs. Would you have said, based on that season, that Rich Kotite was a good coach? No. Did the, did the Eagles have an all-time great defense? They did, but they also... No, 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 I'm talking about, did Doug Peterson have an all-time great defense? No, he didn't. But he didn't so, like, have an all-time terrible defense, and he didn't have an all-time terrible offense. It was, yeah, but he was the one in charge of the offense. That's my whole point. Like, he, he, it was his offense, you know? Like, yeah. he came in, installed an offense, brought in a rookie quarterback, mm -hmm. and won seven games with it, and didn't look awful, you okay. know? Okay, I understand. Like, so, like, there's no way that... You, Eagles did not win seven games on the strength of their defense last year. That defense was pretty good against the Falcons. That defense was pretty good against I'm trying to think. It wasn't awful against the Cowboys the first time around. It got it got beat late. They got beat late. Um, I'm just saying. I mean, I don't. I'm not. They were they were an an average to above average defense. They weren't a terrible defense. They weren't the '91 Eagles. No, I'm not suggesting that they were. And and the '91 Eagles. I mean, Eagles like Trent, it's like saying like the Trent Dilfer won a you know what did Trent Dilfer Super Bowl tell but, us about? But that's my point is that you you can't necessarily judge like nobody in retrospect would look at Rich Kotite and say no. But that you're was talking a about a team that's completely like I'm talking about an offense like this offense. The offense looked good, you know. Like the offense looked okay. The offense looked okay. It looked good enough to win. I know it didn't look like a disaster. Okay, so... I just don't understand the comparison. Like, I don't understand how you can... I'm saying that just because a coach gets his team through the season in which he exceeds expectations... Did Carson Wentz have a good year? He had a pretty good year, yeah. Okay. He had a pretty good year. All right. Well, that's that's all I'm saying, you know? Like okay. He, he, well, there have been rookie quarterbacks who have had pretty good years for not great coaches a lot. I'm not saying that... I'm not. All I'm saying is Carson Wentz having a good year doesn't necessarily reveal anything ab about Doug Peterson as a head coach or a play caller. Yeah, I think it, it could be Carson Wentz is a, a good quarterback. Yeah. And he could be farther further along in his I, development no, entering the NFL than anybody I am than not going to let you thought. put me in a corner where I start. 
calling Doug Peterson the next great okay. NFL coach. All I'm saying is I'm he wasn't a dis- I'm just Yeah. Yeah, but well that's then we're agreeing. Um I, I just, just don't know I just that think it's a little I just don't I know that he's specious to bring up the the eagle, you know. The, but the, my point is not that my 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 point only is you can you can judge a lot of guys. like Jim Hazlitt took Aaron Brooks in 2000 and was coach of the year and won 10 games. Right. That doesn't mean that and the, and the entire offense was functioning, and Aaron Brooks had never been a starter before. That doesn't make Jim. That didn't make Jim Hazlitt a terrific, terrifically good head coach. No, did I say it made Doug Peterson a terrifically good well, head you're, coach? You're giving him a lot of credit for. No, I'm not. I literally said the man was not a disaster. <laughs> the, okay. the bar does not get any lower than that. Okay. All I said is he's better than Mike Lombardi said he was. Which, what did he say he was? He was the least, least qualified head. The coach. worst. Co- oh no, he said we all know. So this is this was the part of the Mike Lombardi. So Mike mm-hmm. Lombardi, who was Mike Lombardi? Go ahead, explain this. He's a weird little guy because, like, he, he's kind of one of these guys who's always been a name, but I don't, I'm not really sure what he's ever actually done. Yeah. Uh, he, I mean, um, he, like, like the irony in his comment that, that Doug Peterson was the least qualified head coach he's ever seen in his 30 years of, of, uh, of football is like, this guy was the least qualified general manager I've ever seen in, in, you know, my 30 years of football. Cause he, I mean, he was like, it's, he hadn't been in the NFL since 2006. He was, you know, appearing on Comcast Sportsnet, for God's sakes. Uh, as an analyst, and then all of a sudden he's with the Cleveland Browns, drafts Barkevius Mingo at number six overall, gets fired after a year. Like, mm-hmm. it's just, it's kind of an ir- I'm not saying the guy, the guy's probably brilliant, um, but for a guy who's gotten a, a lot of his name based on his association with Joe Banner and Bill Belichick, it's kind of ironic that he that he's kind of taking shot. I, maybe there's a little projection if he's taking shots. Maybe there Peterson is. I don't know. I don't know. I don't why, know. I, I, I would love to talk to Mike and ask him why he has such strong feelings, anti-Doug Peterson feelings. I don't know why he does. Um, again, I, I think it's a little – I think it's early to judge either way on Doug. Yeah, um, I think it is too. Okay. And I will say this. I think that if the team – if the Eagles don't take a step forward this season, if it's if it's apparent that, you know, if Wentz regresses somehow, if the offense looks, you know, as or less competent than it did last season, now that it has – Alshon Jeffrey, Torrey Smith, you know, presumably Jason Peters and Lane Johnson, a tackle all year. Um, if those things happen, you know, Doug's going to be the one where all the fingers of blame yeah, get pointed. Um, you know, having said that, does that mean he can't make this work? No, it doesn't mean he can't make it work. All right, the only thing I'm saying, that just to make sure that, that you're understanding what mm-hmm. the actual issue is. Yes. This is what Mike Lombardi wrote in a piece for The Ringer. I think he said it in a podcast for The Ringer. I don't know that he wrote it. I think somebody transcribed it. Uh, but anyway. Well, then I he would... either said it or wrote it. Well, whatever. Um, okay, whatever. Um, he said, uh, now everybody knows Peterson isn't a head coach. He might be less qualified to coach a team than anyone I've ever seen in my 30-plus years in the NFL. That was the... Now it it was the 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 now everybody knows Peterson isn't a head coach like that's like he's he showed that he's not a head coach like a, right do you know what I'm saying yeah I think that that's that's false patently false yes that's false that doesn't mean that but I also think that's like the I I think that is the conventional wisdom among amongst a a considerable a statistically significant segment of the football national football intelligentsia. Like I think that yeah, there's, pro- I think there is a is. impression out there of of uh, Doug Peterson is who he we thought he was when the Eagles hired him. Even though we ended up going seven and nine, and people agree Carson Wentz, you know, looked like he had a pretty good mm-hmm. season. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I think the intelligentsia. I can't speak. I'm not going to speak for them because um, I'm certainly They'll not one of them. They'll speak for you. I'm um, I'm certainly not one of them. Um, but I mean, I think we have to we have to take care not to create straw men, and then knock them down. I think, did Doug show that, did Doug surprise some people by how well that team did last season? I think so. I think think in certain respects, when you go through the process of hiring a head coach the way the Eagles went through that process, when Doug, when you clearly have pursued other people and you didn't get them and you pretty much settle for Doug, I think we all kind of agree on that. Mm that does create a certain kind of perception about the person you are hiring, rightly or wrongly. So to have Doug go 7-9 and nine with that team, okay, he may yet be a terrific coach, he may yet be a lousy coach, 
I would agree that Lombardi's wrong insofar as we don't know really what kind of head coach Doug Peterson's going to be. Um, why is Mike saying that? And I keep calling him Mike like I know him, which I don't. Um, why is Lombardi saying that? He may not like Howie Roseman. He may not like, he may feel burned by the Eagles. I don't know. I mean, he, maybe he knows somebody who knows Doug Peterson and he knows the, what Doug is doing on a day-to-day basis. And he's saying to himself, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. I have no idea. Um, you know, you hear a lot, you hear a lot from analysts who, um, you know, whether they're on this network or that network or whatever the case may be, who say a lot of things about who they talk to around the league and what they know and all that kind of stuff. And, I mean, you take it all kind of for what it's worth. Um, we'll see. I mean, is it unfair that Doug has to hear that? Yeah, to a certain extent it is. Um, but I also think that while Lombardi's history in the league is spotty, as you, as you said, that doesn't necessarily make him wrong about this. I'm not saying he's right. I'm not saying it doesn't necessarily make him wrong. And I think... I. I There's a reason why he's putting himself out there this strongly. Is it just to get attention? Might be. Maybe. Maybe it's the hot take for the sake no, of the I hot think take. No, I think it's probably... I think it's probably as honest... It's yeah, probably as, but it also might be... Probably what he really thinks, but... Yeah. But it all, he also might, you know, really be talking to people around the league, and he may, he may have an idea of what Doug is doing on a day-to-day basis that we don't. And based on that, he's saying this. But even that, like, like you could talk to... It all depends on who you're talking to around the league. Like, you, like... You can find a, that was my whole. Th- I would always make this joke when I covered baseball. Whenever, uh, you know, somebody would the national a lot of the nationalist guys would do it, where it'd be like, oh, "I talked to a scout who said this about this guy." Like you could literally get a scout to say you can find a scout who has some kind of opinion. It, if you're looking for an opinion, you can find a scout with that sure. opinion. Put it that way. Scouts are just like people like us who watch games, but mm-hmm. they watch a lot of them. You know, um, I, I mean, like, like think, like think, like think about all those, all those. You know, when anonymous you know, executives would rip Sam Hankey, you know, right. or like, yeah. like, uh, you know, Phil Jackson could have been one of those anonymous executives. Right. So right. then like, if, right. you, if, if you're talking Tell to Phil, what I'm saying is like, yeah. if Mike Lombardi's opinion is informed by, um, Ryan Grigson, mm-hmm. like, does that necessarily like me? So in the end, it still comes down to Mike Lombardi, you know, it still comes right. down to like, I think, I think we in the media at times tend to defer too much to, um, yeah, that's authority. Probably true. That's like, probably true. like, like Mike Lombardi, there's little, very little evidence that, that he's any better at evaluating football than you. I don't know. I'm pretty good. I'm probably better than he is. I'm just saying. No, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, that's a little. I mean, that's that's a little bit of a little bit of a exaggeration. But but for, but we do. We like we like look at these freaking Doug Whaley with the Bills. Like like yeah. I mean, look at the, Jamarcus Russell got drafted number one overall. Like mm-hmm. this isn't rocket science. Like like this isn't rocket science. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of ding dongs in the NFL. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, the Eagles might have one running their own show, you know, right. who knows? Right. Um, you know, and I think it's why like the smart organizations look really, really smart cause they're just not stupid, yeah. you know? <laughs> um, I mean, the NFL is kind of this, like, it's very easy to, to, to be a dumb, dumb and survive for three or four years as, as a decision maker, the NFL, because everything's set up for you. It, it's as idiot proof as possible with a reverse order draft mm-hmm. and revenue sharing right. and salary caps and like like literally you could get someone to like you could like print out a list of players you know and like somebody could maybe do a better job than doug whaley did with the bills over the last three years Mm -hmm. you know um i'm just saying um i don't necessarily and and like to me you know michael Lombardi has watched more football than i have um you know and he's been in the game more than i have but again i think that that's like when someone says something and when someone looks at Doug Peterson last year and says that guy clearly wasn't an NFL football coach. I mean, like what spectrum are we judging that on? I mean, I've, there's been a lot of guys that have looked a lot like Jim Schwartz looked, <laughs> looked a lot worse. Um, wow. his first couple, se- what? No, he went to the playoffs his first, one of his first couple seasons. Can you go 0 16? Did Schwartz go in 16? I th- no, I thought he, no, I think Schwartz was the coach who came after 0 16 and got them to the playoffs. Well, whatever. Um, maybe he was a bad example. I'm, I'm, Googling Jim Schwartz right now. <laughs> um, I was not look, a big fan. I, and of Jim I don't Schwartz mean to like. But the re- I don't want to like. In the same way, you don't want to be. They went two and fourteen. Jim Schwartz's first year. Okay. They went six and ten his second year. Okay. They went in, in three in four of his five years. They went two and fourteen, six and ten, four and twelve, seven and nine. They went the playoffs when they went ten and six in his third year. Okay. So yes, I would say that um, Doug Peterson. We, 
Doug, Doug Peterson has shown a lot more than Jim Schwartz did in his first year with the Detroit Lions. After one year, going seven and nine. Well, after I mean, after you won five year. more okay. games. Oh, after his first year. All right. Okay, all right. I, you, you added the addendum. So I didn't. Mean, first year. I didn't know you were a big Jim Schwartz. I'm uh, not a big Jim Schwartz guy. I'm just. I'm trying to figure out the the the, the grade <laughs> and the standard by you're which we're measuring worked all up this. for a guy who's not not a big Jim Schwartz guy. I'm not a big Jim Schwartz guy. Sorry. Um, I love I'm Jim just trying to figure out how to. You know, Jim Schwartz, what's the standard we're using? Hey, Jim Schwartz, if you're if you're listening out there, I know it's a bad situation in Detroit. Whatever. I hope you get another shot. Um, the point. My fact is, Doug Peterson won five more games than you. Yes, he did. He did. And if Doug Peterson gets the Eagles to ten and six in the playoffs, that'll be, um, you know, a feather in his cap and more evidence of whatever anybody wants to think of him as a head coach. All I'm saying, all I'm suggesting is that. In and of itself, Mike Lombardi judging Doug Peter like the fact that Mike Lombardi has had a number of failed experiences as an NFL executive doesn't make him wrong about no, but I also whether I, Doug Peterson is a good coach or not. Just it doesn't it, make him right, but it doesn't right, make but him wrong. But you're arguing either. something I'm not arguing. Okay, you, well, I'm, I'm still not arguing Doug Peterson is a good coach. Okay, all I'm saying is this guy said. We all are in agreement. He said, "Hey, we all, we all know. Doug Everybody Peter- knows. He's we not all know now that Doug Peterson's yeah. not a head coach. Like that's just a stupid thing to say. Okay, in my opinion, like, to fair. me, like it's just like that's not real. Like it's such a different reality than what I saw. That like, you know, I don't know. Like I think probably he was maybe exaggerating. Mm-hmm. You know, like maybe maybe Doug Pe- maybe he thinks Doug Peterson is a head coach, and maybe he's not. But to to act like we know, to act like Doug Peterson showed that last year, mm-hmm. to me, doesn't jibe with." The reality that we saw on the ground, you know, like the, yeah. the Eagles, and believe me, I, I feel this way because I was very skeptical of Doug Peterson going to last year, mm-hmm. and like, uh, and again, I think a lot of it comes down to like just the way he like he uh, projects, you know, okay. he's just a little like he's not like he doesn't come across as like the alpha dog dominating the room right. like Jim Schwartz does or like Adam Gase does or right. like Bill Belichick, and it's very does. easy to get swept right. up in that. Yeah, you and know, like Philadelphia is a town that but, loves that kind of stuff. But, like, again, like, he wasn't – and this is where everything else about what Lombardi said is correct. Like, he was – he is one of the least qualified head coaches ever to be hired, mm-hmm. you know. Um, although one could argue he was had the same qualifications as Andy Reid at the time, seven years in assistant. Um, and, yeah. And at least he was a coordinator, although he didn't call play calls. Anyway, um, like, yeah, he, he was qual- – but those qualifications don't matter anymore because we have a season – we already have a season to see him as a head coach – and I was very surprised by how how um, like the even just like the sideline looked like it ran like like he did not look like a fish out of water like he didn't look like a guy who was in over his head and that was that was the fear mm-hmm. those were the whispers right, right. everyone was wondering before the season like is it going to be just is this going to be you know uh, uh, <laughs> Marty Morneweg riding in on his right. motorcycle right. you know and yeah. stuff like that or 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 kicking to start you know, overtime. Mm-hmm. And like, you know what? Even the decisions that Doug Peterson made, there were there were a couple that, that I disagreed with, but most of them were like, I, I think they were logical decisions. He support, he, he just struck me as a guy who was in control, ran a tight ship. Um, the Eagles looked organized. Um, you know, and I think, I think, I think uh, a lot of people, what happens is a lot of people get invested in the narrative that they peddled at the beginning. Hmm. Um, so I think a lot of the people who snickered and made fun of Doug Peterson when the Eagles hired them, they're kind of like they have a vested interest in that oh, being sure. the actual reality. No, I so I think that, true. you know, yeah. like I just think that that people have not adjusted the narrative far enough. Um, yeah. Given, and, given and, what we saw and like he did not look like a goober who was over his head. He looked like a competent um looked like a very he looked like a, I mean, he looked like Andy Reid's teams, you know? Yeah. And look. If They're could, organized. Organized they, is what I'm. They they seem to be. Yeah, and, um, you know, you you're. I mean, Rex Ryan, like like he looks oh, more Rex professional than Rex yeah, Ryan compared to Rex you know? Ryan. He looked but that's like, all I'm saying is yeah. like he's at least like to me he's at least proven that he's not like 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 imagine if he I think pe- a lot of people thought he was going to coach or everything about the operation was gonna was gonna have the feel of his press conferences <laughs> where he's like audibly mouth breathing into the microphone and like stuttering yeah. you know like mm-hmm. on in between the lines they looked like they looked like a you know they looked like a team the troops they did. lined up straight yeah they did they did and we'll see if that you know if he improves on that like he got the basics down i think we would all agree on that um 
you know, and it's it's going to be a different it's a different situation for him now, you know. And this gets back to what we kind of were discussing before we went off on the Mike Lombardi um, discussion. Uh, you know, now that he's got like this would be, here would be my concern. Here would be a concern anyway. Like, yeah, I don't think you should be concerned about it. No, it doesn't here would be a concern. Your concern is that you tuck that little guy in at night, I have kiss him on guys. the floor, t- t- tuck guys. them both in. Don't make fun of my kids. Um, I'm not. I'm not. Don't make fun, fun of me. I'm patronizing. I'm patronizing your yeah, father. You are. Don't do that. Fatherhood's awesome. <laughs> um, Carson Wentz threw 607 passes last year, and I'd be curious what your thoughts are about this. Now you've added to with, with a receiving core that had Jordan Matthews and five guys named Joe, basically. Mm, I don't think any of them were named Joe. <laughs> Josh, you get, you get my point. He didn't. He wasn't even there the whole time, so they didn't have the yeah. guy. You know. Um, so now that he has Alshon Jeffrey, Torrey Smith, um, the receivers are supposed to be better, and you still have a relatively wanting situation at running back do you fear at all him falling into throwing the ball too much yeah you know I mean that would be my that would be my fear like if I were an Eagles fan that that it's going to be very easy for the team to get out of whack as for all the good things he did Andy Reid often did on a week-to-week basis and it, it would cost them a game you know roughly one game a season and then the following week Andy would get it right and They'd run Westbrook or Deuce or whoever it was going to be, and they and they'd figure it out. And Brad Childress would get in his ear, or whatever the case may be. But um, you know that would be a concern for me. Um, is that because you have Darren Sproles, Wendell Smallwood, Legarrette Blount, or Legarrette Blunt, um, and the two other guys, you know, Clement and, and Pumphrey, who probably aren't going to contribute very much. You know, when push comes to shove, is he going to just rely on Wentz? And, yeah, I think that's a big question. You know, put more. Uh, onus and pressure on the offensive line, put more onus on the back of a second-year quarterback. And that, to me, has, you know, based on what we saw of him last year, has the potential to be a big flaw and a, and a big concern. What's your uh, – so what, so what are you checking clocking in at for your official prediction? Even I think I've said eight it? and eight. All right. I've said eight and eight. Um, I think I'm going to go nine and seven. Okay. Do you have them winning this week? No. Okay. I don't either. Uh, but again, I think that if they do win this week, then all of a sudden, um, you know, things change, things change. Yeah. The plot thickens or yeah. Yeah. The plot. That's what, yeah. That's what they always say. Right. The plot thickens. Um, have you seen Reese Hoskins yet in person? Not in person. No, I have not. I think he's, I think he's the real deal. I think he kind of is too. I like his, um, command of the strike zone. Yeah. Uh, he's got a, I mean, he works, Matt Gelb, our Phillies beat writer had tweeted at some kind of stat about, how often Hoskins had gone with full count, I think it was. Mm. Uh, what percentage of his at-bats went to a full count, how many pitches he was seeing. Um, it was really striking, and it really boded well. Who Striking. No pun intended. Yes. And uh, it, it bodes well for the kind of hitter he is now and the kind of hitter he can become. Um, that's always one of the, the first things you look at, you know, at a prospect is, does he understand the strike zone? Does he get himself out? And it doesn't look like Hoskins does that. There was a guy on the mound uh, for the Cubs – I was I was having a beer last night, a little Labor Day mm-hmm. beverage, and uh, there was a position player on the mound for the Cubs, and I'm pretty sure he would be the third or fourth starter of the Phillies <laughs> rotation. That is a it's, it's that's a bad situation. They it's gonna not Clint, we're gonna do an entire podcast on that at some point. Yeah, I hope how bad their pitching was. Maybe in three months when we do our next one. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what else? What else is going on? What do we have to? Do? You're, you're. What are you working on? I'm working on a big uh, Alshon Jeffrey piece. You got right? a big Alshon Jeffrey piece. It's going to go online probably, uh, if not Wednesday night, then Thursday morning. I went down to uh, St. Matthews, South Carolina, his hometown. Mm. Um, is that with, upstate or is that? That's uh, down. That's like south, southern, central South Carolina. Um, hung out with his mom. Hung out with his uh, his old basketball coach in high school. Actually, Alshon actually um, preferred and was arguably better as a basketball player in high school than he was a football player. Um, but he was only, only relatively speaking, 6'3". So the Kentuckys and North Carolinas of basketball weren't chasing him the way USC and Tennessee and South Carolina were because uh, of what he could do on a football field. So uh, so talked to him, you know, got some background, went to his mom's house, 
Um, I'm just picturing Alshon Jeffrey's face if you were standing next to him and said you're only 6'3". Yeah, well, I'm only 5'8", so you can picture anybody who's... Darren Sproles. Darren Sproles ain't 5'. You've been next to Darren Sproles. Darren Sproles is not 5'8". No, right. He's about 5'6". Uh, do you think they should have kept Donnell Pumphrey? No. I don't. I didn't see anything from Donnell Pumphrey that would lead me to believe that a year of seasoning is going to help him become a better running back. But Maybe I I'm think, wrong. But I think that... Uh, I, I'm very... The guy I most might be most interested in watching this year, besides Alshon, obviously, and Carson, um, is... Uh, is... Uh, Garrett Blount. Because you want to talk about a guy that I, you know, and hey, he's been around the league a long time, so maybe he's just a guy who looks like a, <laughs> like a. Uh, yeah, this is what he does in preseasons. Yeah, just kind of. Like he, know. I was. It was jarring how slow he looked. Yeah. Um, not even just in the preseason, but like standing there on the sideline watching training camp practices. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm gonna be very interested. I mean, he only averaged 3.9 yards a carry last year with an offensive line that was. Pretty arguably, arguably better than the Eagles. Not, not even arguably, way better what, than the Eagles. Better than the Eagles, yeah. Um, you know, for for a coach that I will say is better than Doug Peterson. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, a coach who so can I, set up a, a running game, and maybe Doug can do this too, but can set up a running game so that there's an element of surprise with it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, like that's as good a situation as a running back can be in, yeah. is the Patriots. You right. know, as evidenced by their history, they just pluck guys now from nowhere and them. turn them into running backs. I'm pretty sure Bill Belichick is going to try to run like the uh, the, the wishbone this year. <laughs> Something. And they have uh, like four running backs that they're paying yeah. this year, and they never yeah. pay any running backs. Uh, anyway, all that is to say that I think that if you were to... I, I think there's more upside in keeping Pumphrey around just in case. I think, mm. I think put this way, I think he has... I think he can have some utility. He, you know who he reminds me of? And this is not by any means. Let me guess. Who? Reno Mahe. Yeah, I said I, he reminds me of Reno Mahe, yeah. um, which is not not at all a justification for selecting somebody in the fourth round. But mm-hmm. Reno Mahe did have you know a four or five year career before he started uh, siphoning gas. Right. <laughs> well, before he branched out into here, here's other the markets. Thing, here's the thing about Reno Mahe, and it's similar to what I would allegedly. Say about, I don't yeah. know if that was. Um, here's the thing that I would say. Here's the thing I would say about Reno, and it's similar to the thing I would say about Chad Lewis, even though Chad Lewis was a better player. And Andy seemed to like these kind of guys, which was that— Mormons? Yes. Mormons, he liked yes. them. He liked Mormons. <laughs> he also liked guys who didn't—who um, did what they were supposed to do. Like, Mahe was not by any stretch, like, a dynamic punt returner, but he didn't fumble the ball. Right. Same thing with Chad Lewis. Like, Chad Lewis would— well, It was not a dynamic punt returner. Not a dynamic punt returner. Not even a particularly dynamic tight end. And would probably garner some um, uh, brushback on Twitter from people who would complain about his yards after catch stats. But the thing you could count on with Chad Lewis was that if it was third and six, he would run his pattern seven yards, catch the ball, and fall down every time. And it was, okay, well, the Eagles have a first down. They keep the drive going. And he was absolutely reliable for that. So we can make fun of Riho Mahe all we want. But I, I was not making fun of him at all. I was were, I was were, using him as were, I was using him as an excuse. You for, were having quite a bit of sport with for Reno. justification of keeping Denel Pumphrey around uh, because Denel Pumphrey definitely does not look like he has the NFL speed to be no. the size he is. That play against the Jets, the one where he was in the open field and had one man yeah. to beat and got squared up and drilled, yeah. was not. And you don't de- you, like you don't good. develop speed. No, um, case, that's what I mean. This whole point. idea of like developing him. I don't get it. Yeah, but I think that he has more, like the like the guy who's I'm just not. They kept five running backs, and I'm not sure any of them is a, you know, anything more than no. a depth piece on a right. playoff team. So right. It just seems like I I think that's a big problem with this team is I I think it speaks to the fact that they kept five safeties, five running backs, and six linebackers. To me, it just tells me like there wasn't there wasn't a heck of a lot of talent on the back end of the roster competing for spots in camp you know mm-hmm. like Marcus Johnson even isn't even that good mm-hmm. you know like they kept six wide receivers and Sheldon Gibson you want to talk I'll say this Joe Douglas I think they had a good you know I, I think Derek Barnett's a good player um you know he comes he picked Jordan Matthews in the fifth round last year you know like fourth round picks are not yeah gonna make teams a lot of times fifth round picks but those those two picks Wait, who did he pick in the fifth round last year uh, Jordan, who did I say? Jordan Matthews. Oh, uh, no, Jordan, uh, the running back for the Bears. Oh, okay, yeah, I know who you're talking about. I forget his name, but I know who you're talking about. Not, yeah, I don't. Um, but yeah, I, you talk know. so I can Google that because um, I have Jordan Matthews. No, I mean now. you're looking at the situation now. Jordan Howard. Yeah, Jordan Howard. That's right. You're looking at you know 
what, and again, it's too early to judge any draft class, but Pumphrey didn't, you didn't look at Pump. I would say this, let me put it this way. The thing that separates, and we've discussed this on this podcast before, the thing that separates great teams, and by great I mean teams that are in the hunt every single year and can be counted on to be in the hunt, and teams that, that aren't that, are that every once in a while, and maybe more than every once in a while, they hit home runs in late-round picks. Yeah. They find starters or even all-pro caliber players in the fifth round. You know, Richard Sherman, for instance. Um, the Eagles never do that. They never do that. And I don't see anything on this roster yet to indicate that they have done it in recent years. No, but Joe Douglas did it with uh, did it with Jordan. Uh, Howard. Howard. So I think we have to uh, give him some time. Some time. I agree. He's, he's Much uh, like we have to give Doug Peterson. We gave we gave Howie enough time. I think we it's only right <laughs> that we give uh um why am I blanking on these? I got like Joe zero Douglas. hours of sleep last yeah, night. Yeah, you need it was to awful. Uh, you need to uh get some more coffee. Um the my language facilities are not they're they're shutting down. They're powering down. Um anyway. Me talking hard today. Are we gonna do this again uh before the millennium? Before we get Yeah, we'll do it again next week. Before the Holocaust. We'll do the, it again next week. Before the nuclear holocaust, will we do this again? Yeah. Our schedule. Where would open. you go? Where will you go when the ICBMs start flying? Where will I go? That's a really good question. Um, I'll probably go to. I mean, like you grew up, you were one of those kids that was like covering their head under their desk. No, school, no, never right? did that. Never did that. Um, so what would you do <sighs> if the bombs start flying? I would take a lawn chair up to the to the highest point I could find, put my eclipse glasses on, <laughs> open a beer. I would do everything I could to get to Sea Isle City. All right. Um, and enjoy the last couple of days. I would have a Hank Sauce cheeseburger, 86th and Landis in Sea Isle City. And I would sit on the beach and have a drink. God, and, you really are from the Northeast. And enjoy my last moments. Uh, where were you? Um, okay. Well, what do you think? I mean, do you think. So you say eight and eight, I say nine I say and seven. Eight and eight. Um, eight and is Doug Peterson the coach? At the end of the year and after the end of the year? I think if they go 8-8, eight and eight, I think he is not the coach after within a week of the season ending. Hmm. Hmm. I think they'll take a look around and say to themselves, if we're 8-8, eight and eight, how much different would this have been if we had a better head coach? And I also think that, yeah, no, that's what I think. I think that they'll look around and say, where are we lacking? We got we brought in this guy, this position, this guy in that position. We're happy with our draft class. What what is lacking here? It must be the head coach. It must be. So. It's definitely not the gentleman. And then they'll hire Mike Lombardi, and and <laughs> all will be well. Uh, so. All right. Well, let's. Right. Uh, should we do this again next Tuesday? Let's maybe? do it again next Tuesday. All right. Sounds good. See you later.